Canada HR News on September 25, 2023. I'm Elena Bobireva. In today's episode, we talk about prohibiting replacement workers during strikes in federally regulated sectors, a hiring spree at Amazon, Alberta's thoughts on leaving Canada Pension Plan, and other topics. Stay with us to get the latest HR updates. The Government of Canada will introduce legislation by the end of 2023 to prohibit the use of replacement workers in federally regulated sectors during a strike or lockout. According to the government, the use of replacement workers can distract from the bargaining table, prolong disputes, and jeopardize labor relations for years after. The officials have released the report called What We Heard, which summarizes feedback from consultations with employers, labor organizations, and indigenous partners that concluded earlier this year. Employers and unions disagreed strongly on the topics of replacement workers and whether they should be prohibited. Union stakeholders all supported a ban on replacement workers, and they urged the government to introduce legislation as soon as possible. Unions highlighted three key concerns with allowing employers to use replacement workers, arguing that using replacement workers violates workers' right to strike and causes imbalance to collective bargaining, creates tensions on picket lines and in the workplace, and threatens workplace safety as well as public safety. On the other hand, employer stakeholders strongly opposed the idea. Employers argued that replacement workers are necessary sometimes for keeping a business economically viable. The government said they were committed to introducing the legislation that prohibits the use of replacement workers by the end of 2023 and that they will carefully consider what they heard during these consultations. An employment training program that puts adults with disabilities to work in the urban agriculture and hospitality sector is looking for a new set of participants. The Orchard Program in London, Ontario, led by Hutton House, helps people land a 12-week paid placement with employers in the sector. Participants complete three weeks of in-class sessions where they upgrade their job skills to find long-term employment. Workers learn everything from resume building, transportation training, workplace etiquette, and computer skills, among others. They also get hands-on lessons about food security and how to grow food in the program funded by Service Canada. For more information about this program, see the episode description. Amazon announced that it is hiring 6,000 employees across Canada in full-time seasonal and part-time roles across its operations network. Jobs include stowing, picking, packing, sorting, shipping customer orders, and more. They are available in communities from coast to coast across Canada. According to the company, average starting hourly wage in Canada is $21 per hour across customer fulfillment and delivery, with guaranteed raises and paid career development opportunities for eligible regular employees. Employees can also receive referral bonuses for candidates they get hired to eligible positions. In Canada, there are 60 different logistics sites, and this year Amazon has opened two new fulfillment centers with two more on the way later this year. 
The Toronto Star's parent company has ended print editions of its large chain of weekly newspapers in Ontario as it seeks bankruptcy protection, which is expected to result in 605 lost jobs. According to Unifor, 104 employees being laid off are unionized, with the rest coming from non-unionized job categories. Metroland Media Group said that the company ceased the print editions of more than 70 community newspapers. Over the past several years, they have faced substantial declines in print advertising, and the flyers business is no longer viable in printed form. The Canadian Association of Journalists is concerned that bankruptcy of Ontario community newspaper publisher Metroland Group and Quebec-based Metro Media will see fewer journalists covering large swaths of Ontario and Quebec. This is yet another destructive blow to an industry hanging by a spread. In provincial employment updates, the Alberta government is considering leaving the Canada Pension Plan. Alberta's relatively younger population and higher pensionable earnings mean the province pays more into the plan than it needs to fund benefits paid to Alberta seniors. The report created by the independent consultant LifeWorks suggests an Alberta pension plan could save Albertans billions each year with lower contribution rates, higher benefits, and stronger benefit security for families and retirees. An estimated $5 billion in savings in the first year alone could be used to boost the annual pension benefits for seniors. That could include a significant increase to each senior's monthly pension payment or even a $5,000 to $10,000 bonus payment at retirement. A crucial factor in figuring the possible benefits is deciding how much of the current roughly $575 billion in current CPP assets an Alberta pension plan might get. No province has ever split from the CPP, so the laws dictating it have not been tested. The government is asking Albertans to review the report findings, ask questions, and provide feedback over the fall and spring on what the next steps should be. In Nova Scotia, international students in healthcare programs will have an additional opportunity to build a career in the province. The International Graduates in Demand stream of Nova Scotia's provincial nominee program is expanding to include paramedics and pharmacy technicians. This stream helps build the workforce for occupations that are in demand. It allows international students who have graduated from a post-secondary institution in Nova Scotia to apply for a work permit and permanent residency in Canada before gaining work experience. This pathway is currently open to nurse aides, orderlies, patient service associates, continuing care assistants, and early childhood educators. Applicants' educational programs must have been at least 30 weeks in length, and the applicant must have completed at least 50% of the program in Nova Scotia. Earlier this year, Nova Scotia announced a tuition rebate of $11,500 to paramedics who agreed to work in the province for at least three years. Staying with healthcare topic, in rural Saskatchewan, 16 new physicians began practicing this summer after completing the Saskatchewan International Physician Practice Assessment in June. 
there are currently 283 internationally trained family physicians who were assessed through the program working in the province, 77% of whom have established practice in rural communities. Launched in 2011, the Saskatchewan International Physician Practice Assessment is a Saskatchewan initiative that offers new opportunities for doctors trained in countries around the world. The program assesses internationally educated physicians on their medical training and clinical ability to practice medicine in Saskatchewan. Physicians agree to work in the province for a minimum of three years upon completion of the assessment. The program assesses physicians three times a year with an annual capacity of approximately 45 physicians. And this was Canada HR News. Please leave us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcasts and on our YouTube channel. You can also find us in Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on other platforms. For more information on the topics discussed today, see the episode description and connect with us on X at CADHR News or LinkedIn at Canada HR News Podcast.